This week in the Dylan and Dylan Show, the Out of the Box Draft includes the best athletes of 2021. Q&A covers the debate between NBA games on Christmas versus NFL games on Thanksgiving and which is better and which is harder, sustained pro football success or sustained college success. And we wrap off our main topics with the sports Santa list, what we are asking Santa for for our sports teams this year. This week in sports covers the rise in COVID cases around all the major sports leagues, as well as our picks for the NBA Christmas Day games. Christmas Eve edition of the Dylan and Dylan show. Happy to be with you all on wherever you're going today, whether you're with your family or just spending your Christmas Eve at home. We are hoping you're having a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and excited to be with you today uh, for an exciting Dylan and Dylan show. Back with you today, Dylan Jesperson here with me as always, my main man, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, which I probably shouldn't be. I don't know. I'm in a weird like middle ground because like last night, my alma mater merged they had a huge game against number 12 Auburn. Came up short, but I, I also realized Auburn, if they play like that every game, that's a Final Four team. That, that team is really, really good. Alan Flanagan made a season debut. That's a really good player that didn't do a whole lot last night, but made a big impact on defense. Wyatt Kessler, the transfer from North Carolina, is awesome. He just, with a team like Murray State with not a lot of size, they're just going to beast. And that's a good quality for a team that wants to make a run in the tournament. Bruce Pearl's got a really good team. I think Murray's good too. They just that size isn't, isn't there. Tevin Brown, he might have made a statement to where he's going to be a pro, kind of like the statement Ja was making like a few years ago, going against Alabama and the Auburns of the world. So very, very excited about what Tevin Brown did last night against Auburn. But then the team, the school I didn't go to, Tennessee, but I've always been a fan of. Tennessee just they were whipping Arizona in the first half, just killing them. Arizona made a run because Arizona also very, very good. Uh, but Tennessee, they, they held them off. They beat Arizona, an undefeated Arizona team. Huge win for Rick Barnes in Tennessee. So very, very exciting stuff. Kind of like a, a, a kind of duality of man, duality of fan for me. Because I'm like, I don't know how to feel. Like Tennessee gets a huge win. Murray State could have got a huge win. Ended up losing by, it was 13. But hey, it's all good. And now it's, it's the real test tonight. The Tennessee Titans, when you listen to this tomorrow, you'll know. You'll know if I'm sad or in a good mood because it's a must-win game for the Titans. They've got the 49ers at home. Uh, 49ers are really, really good. I don't know. I'm really excited for that. A lot of fun stuff happening with my sports teams and the entire sports world. I'm very excited to get into it. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm feeling a bit nervous. We're going to get into the COVID stuff later. That's like the main thing on my mind right now, obviously, with the college football playoff coming up. But as a Michigan fan, this is just like a, you know, survive in advance type of uh, you know just keep on keeping on right now uh but like as you said I, 
what my main takeaway from last night was SEC basketball is is here this year, and it's definitely one of the premier college basketball uh, conferences, especially with the Big Ten being down. And I didn't even mention Kentucky. Kentucky beat a really good well, – I'm not going to call them really good – a good Western Kentucky team. Western Kentucky beat Louisville on Saturday. And I, I was in Louisville for that game, and I was shocked because I thought Chris Mack, very good coach. I expected them to beat Western. Western beat them, then they went into – uh, Rupp Arena last night in Kentucky just treated them like children. Oscar Shibway, 28 rebounds. Western had 27 as a team. I mean, that's insane. Kentucky does that. Much like Auburn played last night, there's not going to be many teams that beat them. Like you said, SEC basketball's for real. But I'll let you continue. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Michigan's down and the Big Ten is down, so the SEC is kind of just – and I'm, I'm looking at the top 25, and it's just SEC teams up and down this year. So uh, interesting to see. We're going to – see as that plays along it's only december though so we'll see as uh, as the the real months get along in january february we'll see how everything stacks up uh, as we go along uh reminder to follow tunnel vision sports on spotify uh apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts that way you never miss a fine episode of any of the show uh any of the shows we put out we're gonna have some roundtables coming your way very soon so stay tuned for that and many more episodes of the dylan and dylan show we're getting right into our out of the box draft today last week we announced our out of the box athletes of the year we decided to keep on that theme we're going with the best athletes of 2021 all in one draft pool this week uh excited to get into it and honor some of the best uh, performances of the year from athletes uh dylan has his coin ready to go and we're gonna flip heads or tails order uh, you know what i'm gonna go heads for once in my life i'm gonna go heads and see what we got what a call there's George what a Washington. call what a call. I, I'll go with the second and third pick anyway, though. I, I think the, the wraparound is better. So go go ahead with the first pick. I, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. So I was like, he's going to pick tails, and I'm going to get my head's call. That's all good with me. Uh, since I had the first pick, I've got to go with the guy that I picked as my athlete of the year. I think it's only right. Uh, so, of course, I have to go with Shohei Otani. And last week I said, like, I'm not going to talk about Shohei stats because we literally talked about Shohei all year long. Baseball, Shohei hasn't played baseball in several months now because the Angels are the Angels. They don't play postseason baseball. I think they're like allergic to it or something. Um, Shohei did silly stuff all year from opening day to literally the last game of the season, the all-star game. He started and batted. I mean, that's just silly stuff all year. He kind of, like I said last week, it feels like he made baseball a little more prompt little bit more prominent to people it seems like people are talking about a bit more because they're just amazed by what he was able to do but uh yeah I I just think Shohei hitting 45 home runs having eight triples and then going out on the man had like a sub two, two sub two four ERA for much of the season I think it ended up getting a little bit higher but still yeah it was a two five seven ERA like that's insane like that he was able to do that um very, very impressive stuff Shohei did, and I think he's just going to build on it, and the Angels hopefully will take advantage and not waste the prime of Shohei Otani. And when Mike Trout gets back from injury, I pray they don't because that could be a lot of fun. But, yeah, Shohei Otani is my first pick. He's my athlete of the year. Had to get him first. Throw it to you for second and third pick. Yeah, please, L.A., finally put a pitching staff together and make that team competitive because that is going to be one of the best, best things for baseball in general is if that LA uh, angels team uh, becomes competitive Uh, with my first pick, I'll go with my athlete of the year pick. I'm going with Tom Brady for all the reasons I said last week, you know, he he leads the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a super bowl. He's, you know, 
didn't have a great outing the last time between the last time we talked and now uh, with that, that loss that he took last week, but uh, still Tom Brady is at 44 years old or wherever he's at now is just doing insane things, leading one of the best teams in the NFC, probably still the favorite in the NFC right now to win uh, and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And at this point, it's just like, I don't see his career ending anytime soon, which is just mind boggling. I don't know how long you can physically play at this point, but it seems like Tom Brady is going to be the one to push the the absolute limits of it. And uh, his accomplishments this year, uh, just in, and like I said, NFL players have a bit of a, an advantage in these types of things because they can go on and win the Super Bowl and then have most of their regular season stuff from this year uh, included in it. So, and Tom's been amazing this regular season and then he won the Super Bowl last year. So I think easy pick there with my other pick, you mentioned him last week. Giannis Antetokounmpo was the breakout player in the NBA last year. And I think it's an easy pick to, to join my squad. Uh, He's one of the few athletes this year that like, took that step and cemented themselves in that next tier. Now we're talking about Giannis within the LeBrons and the Kevin Durants. And, you know, Tom was there. Shohei did that to an extent, but like we were more like, all right, this is what we could Shohei get to this level. We knew he had that talent. Uh, Could he do this at the MLB level? Giannis was more, all right, is he truly one of the greats of this game? And he answered it with an emphatic yes, beating the Nets and then going on to beat the Suns in the NBA Finals, just being the best player out there. And I've said it time and time again, his offensive game is still raw. If he develops a jump shot, if he's like dangerous from 15 feet out, he could be the best player of all time, but like a long shot. He's just got so many physical attributes that are so far ahead of everyone else. And uh, he showed it this year. It was a Giannis dominant year in the NBA. Uh, And I'm happy to have him with my squad and I'm happy to have him join Tom Brady. And I'll throw it back to you for your, your next two picks. So that pick is exactly why I wanted the back-to-back picks. And I wanted Shohei and I wanted Giannis. So now I've got some, some twisting around to do, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to save basketball uh, for a second. I'm going to go to football. And joining Shohei Otani is going to be the man in L.A. I got two L.A. guys. I got Cooper Cup. Uh, we talked about him a few weeks ago when we did our uh, midseason NFL awards. Cooper Cup has gone crazy with Matthew Stafford through 14 games this season. He has 122 catches, 1,625 yards, and 14 touchdowns. That that's insane numbers. That's that's like similar to like what Megatron did with uh, Matt Stafford in Detroit, which you're all too familiar with. Um, I I I don't think anyone really expected Cooper Cup to take this kind of leap this year because we knew Cooper Cup was good with Jared Goff, but we didn't know that he was like this elite wide receiver that he's obviously become with Matt Stafford. I mean, he's just heads and toes having the best season in the NFL in this this year in my opinion anyways just absolutely dominating uh defenses and putting up those numbers that's a touchdown a game keeps that up um, quick math that'll be 17 touchdowns that's pretty good uh well on his way to getting 2,000 receiving yards which is insane uh yeah Cooper Cup I think is right up there with having one of the best 2021s out of any athlete and I think it's really uh kind of cemented him almost as like a household name especially playing in LA I feel like He's very much becoming like you talk about wide receivers. Cooper Cup's name comes up more and more and more, which kind of 
that that's kind of been my theme so far with my picks. Otani's became a huge Cooper Cup. Uh, and then my third pick. So I'm going to go to basketball. And I this is the guy that I had right behind Giannis, which is crazy because this guy is the uh, former MVP or the reigning MVP, however you want to phrase it. Nikola Jokic, the center from the Denver Nuggets. I think Jokic kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit when we're talking about NBA players this year because Giannis got so much attention with what he did in the playoffs and uh, obviously winning the finals. But Jokic's been incredible. I mean, won the MVP, obviously, and then through 25 games this year, averaging 26 points per game, 13 rebounds, and seven assists. I mean, Jokic's proven that he, he he's that guy down in Denver. And I mean, he's, he's kind of had some moments of uh, being that kind of entertaining figure down there this year, having the flare-ups with Jimmy Butler and kind of saying like, hey, I, I'm about it. Like, this is – this is kind of my league. He wants he wants that kind of respect which he deserves because he has been awesome. Uh, I think he needs to get that success in the playoffs. But I mean, he was hurt last year by his teammates getting hurt. Jamal Murray was hurt, and that absolutely killed the Nuggets. They weren't going to make a run without Jamal Murray, no matter how good Jokic is. He has to have. I think it's more for big men than anything. They have to have that guy next to him and go make shots. We saw it with Giannis. We talked about with Giannis having Chris Middleton. Jamal Murray needs to be that guy for Jokic for them to have a sustained success in the playoffs. But, I mean, even without it, Jokic puts up crazy numbers. The Nuggets are going to be at the top of the Western Conference no matter what because of the things Jokic does uh, for that Denver Nuggets squad. And I believe – I think Giannis is the guy in the NBA right now. But I think Jokic is right there with him, which is crazy because Giannis is doing insane stuff. Uh, but, yeah, very excited. Uh, Nikola Jokic to Cooper Cup and Shohei Otani. I'll throw it to you for your last two picks. Very solid picks for sure. I mean, obviously when you're adding an MVP and probably the offensive player of the year, can't go wrong with that. Uh, With my next pick, uh, I'm going to go college football. I'm going with Bryce Young. I mean, obviously the dominant player in college football this year, even though it wasn't like that, you know, it wasn't decided until the, uh, the SEC championship game, but when, he put on that performance against Georgia. I think we all, you know, finally were like, okay, this is, this is truly Bryce Young's year. This is his Heisman year. I mean, I don't have to go over his stats, but he completed 68% of his passes this year, 4,322 yards, 43 touchdowns to four picks. I mean, that's just, that's stupid numbers. Uh, Bryce Young was obviously the best college football player. Uh, it hurts me to say it because I, I really wanted Aiden Hutchinson to win the Heisman Trophy, but you know that performance against Georgia just put him over the top. I think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna look back on this in the season and go, this should have been more clear cut. I think the voting kind of showed it with how many first place votes Bryce Young got, but this should have been more clear cut from the start. I don't think really anyone had a chance. Bryce Young was the favorite coming into the year. He really didn't do anything to lose that other than that loss to Texas A&M, but I really don't even think that was on Bryce Young's shoulders. It was more on Alabama's defense uh, than anything, but uh, I think, you know, back-to-back Heisman's for Alabama, but Bryce Young is clearly one of the best players ever in the sport. So, and that sucks because he's going to be around for at least another year. So, uh, We'll we'll see we'll see how we'll see how the college football playoffs goes. Hopefully, Cincinnati can do something to them uh, before we have to face them if we can get through Georgia. But Bryce Young, obviously a great, great, great player. Happy to have him on my squad. And then with my last pick, I'm going to go to the Olympic realm because we had the Olympics this year. We got to cover a bunch of that. I'm going with Allison Felix. Allison Felix became the most decorated tra- U.S. track and field athlete of all time, passing Carl Lewis 
winning her 11th medal of all time in Olympic gold in, in Olympic games, which uh, I think kind of went under the radar with uh, all the stuff that went on in the Olympics this year. But I mean, if you're passing Carl Lewis, that's legendary status right there. I mean, he is one of the goats in the Olympics, any, any country, not just the United States. Uh, Allison Felix has seven gold medals, three silver medals and one bronze medal in her career. Uh, and she won the, she won, I think two medals in Beijing this year. So uh, just, uh, and that, and I forgot, I almost completely forgot about this, but in between the to- the Rio Olympics and the Tokyo Olympics this year, not Beijing, the Tokyo Olympics, uh, she had like a really bad pregnancy and faced complications with her pregnancy and had and became a, a big advocate for female athletes in her off time. And it was really like an up and down thing, whether she was going to compete, comes back wins two more medals, becomes the most decorated track and field athlete of all of us all time. I mean, that's like a a storybook type of writing right there. And uh, I think it just kind of went under the radar with all the stuff that went on in sports, this world with the COVID stuff and everything. So uh, more than happy to add Allison Felix uh, to my list along with Bryce Young. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick. Love both those picks. Bryce Young was very much on my alternates, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't pick Alabama's quarterback as one of my top four. I, I just couldn't do it. My 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 heart wouldn't let me. Uh, but I, I he obviously deserves to be there. Both those picks are great. Uh, and my last pick, I've got to go bias. I just have to. And I was between two people. And the more and more I think about it, it definitely goes to this person. And it's King Henry, Derrick Henry, running back for the Tennessee Titans. And his the stats are they're not as gaudy as they would have been if he hadn't got hurt. But him getting hurt, I think, goes along with this because you see the impact he made on the Tennessee Titans. Um, earlier, the early parts of 2021, uh, the Titans played one game, one regular season game against the Houston Texans. Derek went for nearly 300 yards to eclipse 2,000 yards, the eighth player to ever do that. Then tore it up against the Ravens. They came up short in that game, whatever. Came back this season, a very, very hyped-up Titans team. He played eight games before getting hurt, that Jones fracture. Um, he just, you know, in eight games, 937 yards and 10 touchdowns. Throw in a passing touchdown, too. He, he very nearly eclipsed 1,000 yards in what would have been nine games. I feel very sure he runs for 63 yards in week nine. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. In the game where he suffered the Jones fracture, he stayed in the game for the second half to help secure a win against the Indianapolis Colts, who is everyone's favorite team, apparently, because everyone thinks the Colts are going to surpass the Titans in the South, which is ridiculous. Derrick Henry with a Jones fracture beat the Indianapolis Colts, and that's all that needs to be said there. Uh, Since Derrick Henry went down with injury, the Titans have struggled mightily, and that is no uh, secret to anyone. They've gone three and three with some really tough losses and some games they should have won that I almost guarantee they would have won if Derrick Henry would have been healthy, which hurts. But Derrick Henry is superhuman. Derrick Henry is rehabbing hard. Derrick Henry will be back. It's almost like um, Avengers uh, Infinity War when the credits go down and it says Thanos will be back. Derrick Henry is the NFL's Thanos. And he's coming. He has receipts. And I don't know if it'll be next week, the week after, or it'll be the playoffs. Derrick Henry's coming. He's going to be pissed off, and I cannot wait to watch it because he is one of the best athletes in the world, and he had to be on my best athlete for 2021. Got to give King Henry his flowers because my respect grows for him each week because I have to watch the Titans struggle more and more and more. I just realize how important he is. 
So yeah, Derrick Henry rounds out my team of Nikola Jokic, Cooper Cup, and Shohei Otani. Awesome, awesome stuff. I love the pick as well. Obviously, I, I couldn't go biased as much as I as I wanted to, but uh, I'm happy with my list with Tom Brady, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bryce Young, Allison Felix. Did you have any alternates that didn't make your list? Yes, I had two bias alternates. I had Demetrius Jamel Morant out in Memphis, who I also wanted to give my flowers to, but I think Derrick Henry, just a little bit more dominant at the moment. Jaws getting there, and we've seen Jaws' evolution in the almost superstar, and then we've talked about it. And the other one's Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker was awesome, and I don't think enough people talk about him. I really don't. And he, I really think if he shows out in the bowl game, which I'm going to talk about later uh, next week, he's going to have a lot of hype coming into next year. You know, he's coming back to Tennessee. I think that's a guy that is severely slept on. Uh, but, yeah, I, both those guys. And then Tom Brady was on my alternates, but you got Tom Brady. So, yeah. Uh, did you have any alternates? Yeah, I had to dip into it to get Bryce Young. I had Shohei as my number one, just in case you, I, I got my number one pick and wanted to go and snatch up your guy, but uh, didn't have to do that. I had Stephen Curry written down. He didn't have a great last season, but this regular season, I could, you can argue he's been by and by far the best player in the NBA. So uh, I think he was just on my on my mind for that. And then biased, I went Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, there's there's really not a guy on that Michigan team other than Aiden that you can really put there. I mean, I love Cade McNamara. I love the guy, but he's a above average quarterback at best. We've got some really good running backs. We've got some really solid players. Our offensive line is really solid, but not one, no one player on that team exemplifies why I like it so much as much, but Aiden will do, would do just fine if I had to go biased in that way. So, but happy with my list. Uh, we'll get those graphics out on social media and and let you vote. I had one more. I had one more alternate I forgot about, but I have to shout him out. Bailey Zapp from Western Kentucky, the quarterback. He was awesome this year, and I, I almost forgot. I didn't have it wrote, written down, but he he deserves his credit. Barely, nearly passed for six thousand yards. He was really, really close, and he broke Joe Burrow's records. Like very, very good season from Bailey Zapp. That guy, I hope makes the lead because he's really good. But yeah, had to give Zapp a shout out. Yeah, I went under the radar that he broke all those records. I remember seeing that headline. I was like, what? Why did no one say anything? <laughs> why, why didn't anyone say anything till now? That that was like a possibility that that was going to happen. That was, yeah. So shout out Bailey Zab, shout out Western Kentucky for their awesome season. We'll move on to the question and answer segment. Dylan's is a bit more festive and on theme today. So I'll throw it to him for the first question of the day. Yeah, uh, tis the season and such. I've always loved Christmas. And uh, obviously, my love of sports, it always crosses over with holidays. And always, I always think of these things. And for Christmas, the big sport of the day, is all, it's always been NBA. We, starting in 2008, we got five games each, each Christmas day, which is amazing. You get to sit on the couch or wherever, grandma's house in a chair, wherever you are, and just watch NBA all day. They always uh, pick the matchups to be awesome. And they've got the storylines. And there's just so much uh, to get ready for and just get excited to watch. Uh, But also there's another big holiday with another uh, big uh, attachment to a sport and that's Thanksgiving. We talked about that a little bit last month when Thanksgiving came up and Thanksgiving's big with the NFL. So I say all that to ask, which is better or which do you prefer more? Either one, either way you want to answer it, the NBA on Christmas or the NFL on Thanksgiving. 
This is a tough question. And I liked the question when you posed it because I, and I think we're like the first generation that can truly ask this question because I think anyone older than us is like, they just go, what are you talking about? The NBA on Christmas day. That's only been around for a few years, but uh, I remember it as a young kid watching the NBA on Christmas day. And it really being the only thing to do other than if you got a new video game and you were playing that all day, really the only other thing to do was watch the NBA games. And uh, it became a part of my Christmas day tradition was kind of breaking off. Like once I got to break off my, from my family and watch the NBA uh, and that 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 has been become ingrained in you know part of my christmas day tradition and the thing that you know the nba does the nba does so many things better that the nfl can't do because of their tradition and it has to be what you prefer whether it's the actual you know the coolness of the matchups or the tradition of it all because the end like you said the nba puts like the best teams against each other they they pick a good storyline like I remember the year that LeBron left for Miami and he played the Cavs on Christmas Day like they do those types of things uh the Warriors and the Heat or the Warriors and the Cavs playing on Christmas Day always did stuff like that OKC you know OKC and Warriors on they always did those types of things where the NFL can't really do that thing because they have so many you know traditional teams that have to play in those games like my Detroit lions that really, like we said, don't really deserve that spot. So uh, like in terms of like, I honestly, in my opinion, I think I like the NBA on Christmas more just because the the matchups are better. It goes on all day and and it's more of like a thing I'm looking forward to. And and maybe that's a bit biased because lions always get trashed on Thanksgiving, but I think I look forward to those NBA games more on Christmas because it's a way to unwind after the, all of the holidays are over. It's just, you know, here's the NBA, the best the NBA has to offer on this day where the NFL, some years you, all of the games suck. And a lot of the times that can happen because the lions get destroyed. Uh, the Cowboys are, have just gotten good again recently and they were really bad for a long time. So by the, the nightcap game, you were, already two really bad games down and not really wanting to watch much more football at that point. I don't like the Christmas games are great because you can just kind of tune in and tune out too, as well. You don't really have to stay in depth. And that's a great thing about basketball. You don't have to like watch every play and get all of the storylines in. So uh, I think, yeah, the NBA and Christmas is slowly taking over for me. I think it has taken over for me. Uh, I have a bit more biases in that regard, though, because, you know, the Lions get trashed every Thanksgiving and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's slowly taking over. And I think as the younger generations come up, it's going to be more of a conversation because uh, the NFL seems stuck in their ways. They're not going to take the Lions or the Cowboys off of Thanksgiving. It's going to be the same thing over and over again, where the NBA is more than happy to innovate and more than happy to give you exactly what you want. And as sports fans, that's what we want at this point. Just give us what we want and uh, we'll be happy. And the NBA seems ready to do that more often than the NFL is. So for me right now, it's the NBA on Christmas, but uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say as well. So I agree. I think it is a tough question. And I think um, the NFL on Thanksgiving, like it's very, like, like you said, it's like engraved. Like it's, it's part of Thanksgiving. Like it's, People go to Thanksgiving dinner and they're like, oh, I'm going to eat some turkey and all the fixings, and then I'll watch some football. And they're all fired up about it. I'm like, all right, that's what it is. And they don't really care 
what team's playing. Like, obviously, people have been watching your Detroit Lions forever. And they're just like, all right, this is what we do. We're going to watch the Lions and Bears score seven total points. That's just how it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I love football more than anything. I woke up at 8 a.m. this morning. I was like, oh, the Titans are playing today. Let me put on my Marcus Mariota jersey. Like, that's insanity. That's stupid. I bought tickets to the Music City Bowl like two months in advance because I knew Tennessee had a chance to be there. I love football so much, but the NFL just gets things wrong. And you were, you were kind of hitting at it. They're just not growing up. They're stuck in their ways. And the NBA is so innovative. And I'm very glad you mentioned that because they, they tailor to the fans. They, they do such a good job about it. Like, I have so many great memories. You were mentioning some of the matchups. The one that sticks out in my head, I guess I would have been like middle school. It was Kobe's Lakers against the Miami Heat. And I, that game always sticks out to me. So like Kobe was just being Kobe and you had the big three and it, it just seemed like that, like stuck out in history because we all thought that was going to be the finals. And we were like confident of it. And I, that always sticks out to me, just getting to watch them go at it because we never got a LeBron Kobe finals. So that one, I don't know, it kind of feels like the biggest game they played against each other in my head, which is really cool looking back on. Um, and I just, NBA on Christmas has been special for me for a little while now because, as, at least for me with my family, they watch the NFL. Like, they'll, they know what, kind of what's going on. My family does not watch the NBA. So we turn it on, and they have no idea what's going on, and I can kind of explain to them. And, like, a lot of my family living in Kentucky, they love Kentucky basketball. So, like, when the New York Knicks are playing, I'm like, yeah, there's Nerlens Noel or Jer- Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly. I'm like, oh, I know those guys. And they immediately get into it. And of course, with Kentucky, it goes on all day because they've got a million NBA players. And so they got to get invested that way. And then they get to see kind of the new stars. Because, of course, everyone knows, like, you talk to anyone over the age of, like, 40. They're like, oh, yeah, the NBA, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan. And that's all they know. And you get them watching on uh, Christmas, like, this Damian Lillard fellow is pretty good at basketball. It's like, yeah, it, it's Dame time. Come on, get, get with the times. Like, it's Christmas. Dave's going to go out there for our show. And I, I think that's the fun part. You can create new fans that way. And I imagine there's got to be like someone our age going to a family Christmas. They're going to turn on ESPN to watch whoever the Knicks are playing because that's the one thing that the NBA does too. The, the NFL's got the Lions on Thanksgiving. The NBA puts the Knicks on Christmas. which It's understandable that that's the, one of the biggest teams in the league. Someone's going to turn on um, the game. The, the Knicks are going to be playing whoever. I'm sure the Knicks play. If they don't, I'm going to look real stupid, but whatever. I haven't looked, I haven't studied the lineup. Um, and someone's going to put on a show. And this, they're going to show it to their little cousin. They're like, I'm in. This is awesome. The NBA is great. And that, that's how things work. Like when, when you show your little cousin Lions, Bears, and you try to explain to them, like, no, like Justin Fields has a ton of potential and they're just not seeing it. That's, that's hard to get over. And I, I think that's one thing that the NBA has so much on their side. You get to see it with your eyes. You don't have to believe, which that the NFL gets hurt that way. You got to have those superstar performances, which we don't get that often on Thanksgiving, which sucks, but it's just kind of how it is. When you can think of like games on Christmas where like Melo has gone crazy on Christmas. LeBron is just LeBron on Christmas. It's what happens. Kobe goes crazy. I remember the year Chris Paul went crazy on Christmas. Like there's so many great memories of Christmas games. And people can see that you make new fans. Fans are always already there having a great time. It's Christmas, everyone's together. I don't know. I just think it's it's so so good what they're doing. I look forward to it so much. 
because you can kind of like escape and just watch basketball, get away from talking about everything in the world and you can just talk, watch basketball. You can, I, I really enjoy just watching it with my grandfather. I've done that since I was very little. Something that I cherish and I hope to get to do for a lot longer. Uh, something that, I don't know, it's, it's become part of Christmas, which football is like, like I said, it's become the thing. I really think basketball is edging its way into becoming a tradition, which is really, really cool. And I'm really excited to see as the NBA gets bigger and bigger and bigger in pop culture, because it seems like it's really close to taking over. Yeah, and I think you, like you said, uh, and like I said before too, I, as our generation starts to grow up, there's like this weird disconnect between like people our age and above that like just stopped watching the NBA after the 90s. They just like kind of tuned it out. Even here in Michigan where the Pistons were really good throughout the mid-2000s, and that's really where my basketball love grew. People above my age, like 30 and above, are like out on NBA basketball, like completely out on NBA. And I just don't understand it because like, like you said, like the NBA, like the highlights are very easy to watch and be like, awed by i've never seen like an nba highlight that i thought was cool and showed it to someone and they were like oh that wasn't cool it's every time it's like oh that was sweet and then that and then at the same time it's like football is really hard to understand at a nitty-gritty level if you don't like if you never played it's really hard to understand the schematics basketball is not the same way like pick and rolls and give and goes those types of things are really easy to understand and i i, I have never understood that disconnect of like when you hit 30 years old, you just give up on the NBA and you just don't watch anymore. I, I think our generation will be the ones that makes NBA on Christmas a tradition with our children. And that's what's going to be like a big thing moving forward. It's like it's actually going to be a thing moving on once our generation starts to have kids and gets it ingrained in their kids. I, I think no doubt. And then it's going to be really just what do you prefer? Do you prefer basketball or football at that point? And we'll see. We'll see how that tradition grows in uh in the next coming years i'm excited to see it i think the nba has a leg up just in the way that they're willing to innovate uh the way that they do things i think uh if the end of the nfl could get stuck in their ways for too long if the lions are still playing in five years on thanksgiving we, we've got a problem uh we'll move on to my question i one second i yeah. just want to i want to touch on the highlight thing just yeah. real quick um that made something spark to mind I, my mom, she's a teacher. She's a fifth grade teacher. And I was in her class one day and I was just talking to the kids and I was saying like, yeah, did you see where Ja had a big game last night? I can't remember what it was, but I remember this happening. And they're like, who's Ja? I'm like, you're 40 minutes away from Murray State University, the mecca of mid-major basketball. Ja Morant is our GOAT. How do you not know who Ja Morant is? And I remember I, like, I looked at my mother, I was like, hey, We've got like 20 minutes before lunch. Let me pull up these highlights. And she's like, okay. And I went on YouTube.com, the greatest invention ever. And I just looked up Ja Morant highlights. And I showed these fifth graders. I was about to say whatever age they are. I have no idea what age fifth graders are. They're old enough to understand cool basketball highlights. And it was just Ja dunking on everyone, making three-point shots, breaking people's ankles. Like, he's the best player ever. I'm like, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you this. And that's just, like, quick highlights. You watch a game and you actually get to see someone, like, catch fire, it's so easy to become a fan. I became become fans of so many players like that. Damian Lillard's the first one that comes to mind. You watch him get on fire, it is so much fun. And there's so many players like that. And the Indian Christmas provides opportunities like that. And that's why I'm on its side. And I'll let that rest and give it to you for your question. 
Yeah, basketball is great like that. Just it's just nonstop action in that regard, uh, and that's why I, I truly think the NBA and Christmas is going to give the NFL and Thanksgiving a run for its money in the next coming years, 10, 20 years. With my question, uh, I've been thinking about Urban Meyer so much since last week. It just hasn't left my mind. I've been consuming as much content as possible, and I think it's become very clear that Urban Meyer, maybe the in the worst case of all time, but fell into the trap that every college coach has fallen into where they you know, kind of run their pro team as if they're still a college team. And that was really what did Urban Meyer in whether it be kicking the kicker and, and telling him that he could do it because he's the head ball coach or whether it be, you know, not getting on the team plane and going out to your, your own facility afterwards, all of those things that Urban Meyer did are, were just, you know, obvious like college mistakes that everyone, everyone that we've heard from this week said, you know, we thought he would be smarter and adjust to that type of thing in the pros. And it's got me thinking, you know, Pro success is obviously very hard. We've seen Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, a bunch of really successful college coaches really struggle to have success in the professional ranks. We've also seen sustained college success become very, very rare. There's only a few coaches that have really been able to do the types of things that Nick Saban and Urban Meyer have been able to do. So my question is, from your perspective, what is harder to do? Be a sustained, successful pro football coach or a sustained, successful college football coach? I'll throw it to you what, what your opinion is on that. I think it's pro. Because I think if you're a successful pro coach, you can't have this huge ego that we associate with college coaches now, which, I mean, not all of them, obviously, are egotistical. But I think that's something that might play into it. They're kind of like the the king of the castle. They're the they're the person that like they're around. The players come and go, but like John Calipari's been at UK since back in two thousand nine or whatever it's been now. It's been a while that Cal Calipari's been the consistent figure at Kentucky. Whereas John Wall's come and go, Carl Anthony Towns has come and go, Anthony Davis come and go. It's different guys all the time. Like I know plenty of Kentucky fans. They're like, I don't even watch till January. I just I just tune in and it's like blank faces to me. I'm like, that sucks. That has to be the worst. Like, especially like keeping up with Murray State where like you get to know the players. It's like they put in the work and they get so much better. Like Tevin Brown, I was talking about him at the beginning of the show. Just seeing how he's progressed from a spot-up shooter for John Morant to becoming a guy that can take it to the rim against Auburn, who might be a Final Four team, finish with 25 points so impressive and it's like you almost like take pride in it it's like you're proud of them that they've progressed so much and like hearing like oh they're just blank faces they just it's the name on the front not on the back I don't know I've never really loved that argument um but I think it's much easier for Calipari to use the UK brand to go get a or just use the Calipari brand which is kind of what he did when he got there but use those brands to get five-star recruits and just bring in the Lexington and just win and that's what he's done since he's been at UK. I mean, Penny Hardaway did it at Memphis because he was Penny. He went and got those five star recruits. It hasn't really worked out so far, but I mean, time will tell because I mean, he's still there. He hasn't got fired yet. So, I mean, I wouldn't call him unsuccessful yet. But I think, um, whereas in the pros, you kind of have to, it's more up to your uh, upper management as to who you get. Of course, coaches have says like Urban Meyer, like you were talking about, there's, 
plenty of stories about how he wanted to go out and get running backs when they had James Robinson. He wanted to control this and that. Tim Tebow obviously comes to mind. The Jaguars didn't really need Tim Tebow, but Urban Meyer obviously has the history with Tim Tebow. So that that comes to mind, obviously. It's all these little things of, I think, let me back check. When you think of college coaches that come into the NFL, they try to run it like a college program, like, like you said. And the, the coaches that do that, it seems like they fail. Urban Meyer did it. Nick Saban didn't have success in the NFL, went right back, did Nick Saban things, and he, now he's got the greatest dynasty of all time in college football history. So it, it's little things like that. It's just, I don't want to call it a different game, but it is. Because it's, whereas college football, it didn't, it wasn't a business on the front end like it is now, whereas now it's almost become like a professional sport where there's so many transactions, there's people coming and going. But um, it used to just be like the amateurism and it's the coaches, the star, like I was saying with Kyle Perry, whereas it could be more blank faces, which is ridiculous. I, I think that makes it easier for success to have like a big name coach like a Lincoln Riley. Like we all just assume Lincoln Riley's going to go from Oklahoma, go to USC and they're going to tear it up because it's Lincoln Riley. That, that shouldn't necessarily work. Like if you took Bill Belichick and threw him in Jacksonville, I don't know how good Jacksonville would be. They would get better, but you still have to deal with the management in Jacksonville, the ownership in Jacksonville and no shade to the Con family. I think they've built good, teams in Jacksonville it's just there's there's dysfunction in Jacksonville a little bit and I, I'm picking on Jacksonville because I don't do not like them because they're in the AFC South with me but I, you can use the argument even with Detroit because Detroit's had good talent uh with the Lions it's just things haven't clicked and if you threw Bill Belichick on those Stafford teams yeah they probably would have been a lot better but you threw Bill Belichick with them right now I I they'd be better probably because Bill Belichick's one of the greatest coaches ever. I don't know how much better. They're not a playoff team. The Patriots didn't have a bad team last year and they weren't a playoff team. So, I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do with coaching in the NFL because you're hindered by other things. Whereas in college, you're kind of in control in control because you, you get control of like who you're recruiting. Obviously you have to have your assistants. But there's, there's a lot more leeway, I think, with college coaches to control what they're doing. Whereas in the NFL, it, I mean, it's a business and you've got people over you controlling who you have and what's going on and all that. So I think, I think pro is harder. I think, I, I don't know, it's just so much different. What is your opinion? I, I agree. It's very, very different. The more I thought about this question, the more it became harder and harder. Because I think my, my first reaction was obviously pro because we've seen – just examples of more college coaches that have done it successfully. Like, like you said, Nick Saban's, Urban Myers, John Calipari. Uh, you can even say the Lincoln Riley's uh, versus really it's just Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells kind of in the NFL. Uh, Greg Popovich in the NBA, I guess would be a comparable type of guy, but uh, you know, I, I think that was like my first reaction, but it is just such a different how you approach it because one College success is very different from pro success. Pro success varies from franchise to franchise, but really I, I would call pro success making the playoffs, being a playoff competitor team where college success is, while it varies to program to program is winning national championships. And that's really the end all be all. And so to be a college coach where you can not only recruit with the best of the best year in and year out, but also thread that needle of the NCAA uh, 
well, obviously we know there's, there's some leeway for the best of the best, but being able to be that coach that can recruit at the highest levels while threading that needle and also getting the most out of those guys, uh, I think is very interesting, very hard to do. And, the, and it's shown that like really Saban's the only one that's been able to win national championships consistently. He can win two or three in a row. Uh, I mean, Dabo's flamed out now. Uh, Urban Meyer has as, as much as possible has been, you know, he gets there, he does really well. And then he, he gets out because it's just too much uh, of a stressor type thing where I think the NFL where, like you said, uh, you can kind of see that as a blessing that some of those things are taken off of your shoulders. You're not expected to be the CEO of your franchise like you are in college football, where everything's on your shoulders. You know, some of those, you know, your roster moves aren't necessarily going to be on your shoulders. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick has had some leeway in New England for the past couple of years because, you know, he hasn't had Tom Brady. He the the teams had to adjust and you're going to get that leeway, especially because you've been successful in the past where in college, you know, all of a sudden, if Alabama's not even competing for the playoffs, Saban's going to have some, some questions surrounding him. That's just how quickly college football goes. And and that's where I think it's a different brand where in professional, in professional sports, I think it's obviously harder to start and be successful from the, from the ground. I don't think anyone would are it's from college football you just got to recruit the right guys put them in the right system and then that's how you start to build success and get there uh from that perspective in the nfl there's really no you know cookie cutter way to do it you've got to find you know the right formula for the group of guys you've got and it's going to vary from however you go but once you find that formula i think once you have that sustained built success like bill belichick has it, it can be a little bit easier because guys that go to the Patriots now respect that program and respect that organization where they're not going to be questioning the things that Bill Belichick does like they would question what Urban Meyer does. I don't think Urban Meyer and Bill Belichick are very comparable, but I do think you get a bit more leeway once you're a successful professional coach. So I still think it's harder because just like from the ground up being a pro coach that's successful is harder, but we've seen, not so successful college coaches be successful pro coaches now. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is arguably better for the Cardinals than he was at Texas Tech. Jim Harbaugh was arguably better at, at the 49ers than he's been at any of his college stops. So uh, it, it's it's an interesting, I think it's still up for debate because I think, I, I don't I don't think Bill Belichick would even, compete in the college football world i don't even think his style would work in the college football because i i don't know if he could recruit at the level that nick saban or urban meyer could uh he's more of a you know i can fit my scheme to fit any kind of kind of guy um i think it's so different i think those two worlds are so different i think urban meyer almost confirmed it for me to be a great college coach you have to be almost like the antithetical to what a great professional coach has to be. I think those are, they're so different to this point where the best college coaches wouldn't even be good professional coaches and the best professional coaches wouldn't even be good college coaches because they're so different. They're such different jobs at this point. Uh, there's very few guys that have done both things successfully. Yeah, I was about to piggyback off that. 
there are so few coaches that it's like, oh yeah, they're successful in college, successful in the pros. Pete Carroll is like the only one that like pops to mind immediately for me because it's like, yeah, he was awesome at USC. He's obviously in Seattle. They just win after win after win. This year's been tough, but this year's been weird for them. I mean, you look at like Brad Stevens, just another example. He had Butler. I mean, he built that program basically. So now they're doing great things still. And he went to Boston. And I mean, jury's kind of out. I mean, was he successful? And the Celtics, I, I can't imagine so. Because the Celtics have one standard, and that's championships. And that's the hard thing about um, measuring this for anything. It's every franchise, every school has different standards. Because obviously Butler, it wasn't like, oh, you didn't win a national championship. Get out of here. Butler's like, we were in two final fours. Let's go. Like, that's that's how we do it. Whereas the Celtics are like, oh, we made two Eastern Conference finals. It's time to get a new head coach. It's just two completely different standards. That makes it, it makes it really, really tough. And I was sitting here thinking, I was like, the two football teams, at least, that I really, really follow, the Titans and the Tennessee Volunteers, the, the Titans have had so much more stability in my life. But it's not like they've been that much better. Because Jeff Fisher went nine and he is Mr. Nine and Seven. That's what he did. And it it let him keep his job forever. And obviously they had the dark years. And then Vrabel has come there. And I, I can see Vrabel being the head coach of the Titans for 25 years. I think he could be there for a long time because he wins football games. It but I don't know if the Titans are ever going to win a Super Bowl because they always it's the Titans. It's just how it happens. Whereas Tennessee, since Phil Fuller got fired, it's been People coming in and out. It's like, oh, nice to meet you. And then they're gone. It's like, Derek Dooley, see ya. Butch Jones, see ya. General Cornbread, Jeremy Pruitt, see ya. And then now we got Josh Teipel. So, I mean, it's just so many people coming and going, coming and going. And college is, I don't know. It's, college seems more, are more willing to bend over to the uh, fan base. At least for me, that's what I see. Because Tennessee, the fan base is so in the face of administration. Um, I don't know. It's, it, I wouldn't want to be a head coach like a big college. I don't think that's like, there's so much pressure. Whereas like Mike Vrabel, I don't, he doesn't get dogged at all because he's had a great start to his career. And it's like this year, like obviously there's been ups and, ups and downs, but people aren't dogging Vrabel. They're dogging players, which must be nice. People don't want to dog college players because they're kids. Fair enough. But in the pros, you don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's yeah. It, it seems easy off off the on the face, but like it just the more you think about it, it just it. I don't think I could do what Nick Saban does, even with the facilities and stuff. I mean, and then I thought about this while you were talking. If you if you drop me into a random college football job, I doubt I could make it a competitor. Like just randomly, just based on the amount of teams that there are and the amount of teams that can truly compete. But you threw me on it just a random pro football team, I probably got like a 60, 50, 60% chance to at least make that team competitive because they're all professional football teams. So I think there's also, that's also part of it. It's like you have to get to those programs that give you that opportunity to be successful as a college coach to have like that resume. It's, there's so many ways you can look at this. And I think it's really interesting to look at. And uh, I'm sure we'll be able to uh, look at it a lot more once Urban gets back into the coaching realm and we'll be able to really compare and contrast the, that last year in Jacksonville to his new uh, found self uh, wherever he ended up landing. But 
interesting stuff there. Awesome stuff there, as always. Love the Q&A segment. We're going to move on to a special festive uh, festive segment for the show today. Dylan came up with it. We're asking Santa for, for some things, but a specific type of things on our list today. We're asking Sports Santa for three things that we would like to happen in our sports life for 2022 so or really just the last week of 2021 or into 2022 whether whatever that may be so i'll throw it to dylan to start off his list dylan what are you asking sports santa for this year the number one thing on my list right now is for the tennessee titans and specifically king henry derrick henry to get healthy and go to a super bowl that is all i want i just talked about how i don't think mike Vrabel will ever win one that's fine let's just get there the titans They've got such a small window because obviously they have aging stars. They've had injuries, which obviously hurts. Tannehill, I, Tannehill scares me more and more as the weeks go on. I, I just need them to get healthy. I need them to get hot. I need them to get past these really good teams on the AFC. Because the AFC seems wide open. So I think that's why this might be the year for the Titans to get healthy, run through that AFC, get to the Super Bowl, and deal with whatever behemoth is from the NFC. But, yeah, I just – Sports Santa, please let him get healthy. Uh, put something nice on Derrick Henry's foot. And let, let's get rolling into the playoffs. But yeah, Titans get healthy is number one on my list. What's number one on your list? Number one on my list is kind of a two-parter, but it's really just a Michigan national championship. Uh, I don't know if I've said much about this, but my best friend is an Ohio State fan, and we kind of talk about, uh, you know, our expectations of the team every year. And coming into this year, I had kind of thrown my hands up with Michigan football. I was like – I think we've seen basically what Michigan football can be. They're at best a 10 win team. Uh, They'll beat the teams that we're supposed to. They'll maybe sneak by, you know, Wisconsin and Penn state, but we'll get rolled over by Ohio state. And that's just kind of how it goes. And that's really how it's going to go for the rest of my life. I don't see, I didn't see, I, I was really like throwing my hands up and going, I don't see how we get any better because Jim Harbaugh is maybe the best coach we're ever going to have. And he's not as good as what Ohio State has. So I, I was so done with Michigan football at this point. And then to turn around and have the season that we've had is just, I, I mean, sports couldn't have done it any better for me. I mean, it was like you're on your last leg of your fanhood. You're about to give up like the biggest fanhood that I've had for my whole life. And they give me this amazing season. And now, now it's like, well, why not? Well, why why can't we just win two more games? I mean, we we beat the behemoth that was Ohio State. We rolled through Iowa. We're arguably the hottest team going into the into the college football playoff, back to back forty two point wins. I mean, uh, arguably the hottest team. I'm just so excited and so I want it so bad. And the second part of that is just to please keep our guys healthy. Please. Sports Santa, if you have a, an extra like 200 sets of masks and COVID vac- booster vaccines to give out to the Michigan football team, uh, we absolutely cannot forfeit an NCAA semifinal game. Uh, so please keep them healthy. Keep, please let us compete for the national championship. But if I could, if we could win a national championship, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So that is number one on my list. Michigan in the college football playoff. I'll throw it back to you. What, uh, what is number two on your list? Number two on my list also pertains to college football. It talks and it pertains to the biggest game of the college football season happening one week from the time we're recording. Literally, I think it'll be kicking off one week from right now. Uh, and that is the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl between Tennessee and Purdue. And all I need is for Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel 
to go into Nashville, bring the fight to Purdue for 60 minutes, beat them, and carry that momentum into 2022. Because Tennessee, it feels like they have so much momentum. They can nab a few transfers, a few more recruits. Things are going to be cooking in the top. And then Hooker, that preseason Heisman hype, it's going to get it's going to get turned up. Rocky Top's going to be playing really loud. The, they've got Pittsburgh to start the year next year. We get past them. Huge home game against Florida in week three. Florida's down, way down. Tennessee's way up. Knox will be rocking. I just – I need that dub in the Music City Bowl. I need that wave of momentum to ride into 2022. We get that 10-2 season. We sneak in the playoff. The Vols are national champions a year from now. That's that, – they just need the Music City win, and that's that's what a year from now looks like is Tennessee's on top of the college football world. Yeah. Wish number two from Sports Santa, the Music City dub. What do you got for your second wish from good old Sports Santa? Uh, Sports Santa, if you could please help the Lions secure the number one overall pick, that would be number two on my list. Uh, It was nothing more Lions than going out and beating the best team in the league to lose the best odds for the number one pick. Uh, Like, that's the the number one thing the Lions do is lose heartbreaking games and then go out and dominate the best team in the league. Uh, when you're not supposed to, when you needed to lose. That is the most Lions thing you can do. So I'm going to need the Lions to lose out the rest of these last three games, which is very easy. Uh, The Lions should be able to do that, especially with the injuries and the COVID stuff that they're going through. I don't even think we're going to have Jared Goff for for next week, Um, which uh, I guess who cares. But uh, (laughs) uh, more importantly, we need Jacksonville to win at least one more game because of that tie that we've got. They've got the the tiebreaker with us right now. So we need one more Jacksonville win, which uh, our old interim coach, Daryl Bevel, could secure it for us. So if Daryl Bevel and the Jaguars could get a win, that would be absolutely fantastic for us. And we could go out and get the number one overall pick and have our pick between the two defensive ends. I wouldn't be terribly upset with the number two pick because if the Jaguars take Thibodeau then we can take Hutchinson if they take Hutchinson we can take Thibodeau so it's really not that big of a deal and if they take neither of those guys then it really doesn't matter I don't I'm not we're not obviously not going to take a quarterback this year uh, with the with the the class that's coming out this year but uh I would rather have the choice between those two defensive ends rather I, I love Aiden Hutchinson but I'd rather have our organization be able to choose the best between the two whichever they think is better so if sports santa could help me out uh maybe uh dish jacksonville a couple better plays some uh some insight onto how to win their last three games that would be absolutely fantastic because the number one overall pick is definitely on my list Uh, what is the last thing rounding out your list to sports santa this is not my last pick but I would like this will piggyback off you and it'll help both of us. It'd be a real shame if in week 18, Trevor Lawrence and the boys hosting Indianapolis just absolutely shellack the Colts. That would be just terrible. I would hate that. That would just, Trevor, man, that would be awful. I really hope you guys don't just kill the Indianapolis Colts week 18. Oh, but my third wish from Fort Santa. I want a blockbuster trade on Beale Street. The Grizzlies are killing it this year. Ja was out for 12 games, and they said, hey, Ja's not the whole team. It's cool. They they went 10-2 and two without Ja, which is really good in today's NBA, in case you didn't know. 10-2 and two stretch without your star player. 
pretty good. But they might be the four seed in the West, which is also good. The West is a juggernaut. I don't think that they can compete at the top of the West. That's my opinion. But I think I think John needs some help. He's got very solid pieces. Jaron Jackson Jr. is like on a tweener. He's almost emerged into a second star, but he's not quite there. I think they need to make a blockbuster move. And I think that front office is very aware of it. There's going to be players on the block this year that they can go and get because they've got assets. And I don't know who it'll be. I really don't care as long as they'll help. I just think there's guys that they can package. They can send them out. They can get a guy that might be on the outs with the franchise. Miles Turner is someone that comes to mind. Demontis Sabonis is a guy that comes to mind that have come up in talks of Indiana wants to kind of move on, and they don't really know what the future is with those guys. It'd be cool if they came down to Bill Street and helped kind of build what's uh, what's a coming in Memphis. Uh, I would also – a wing would be really cool. I, I've been talking about that a lot, dating back to last year's draft. I was like, if the Grizzlies could get a wing, that would – I mean, it would really turn things up in Memphis, help Jai out. But, yeah, I, that, that's my last thing. So I just I would really like to see a blockbuster trade on Bill Street to help Jai out, help JJJ out, just help that whole franchise. Because seeing a small market team thrive is really, really cool. And seeing a small market team pull off a blockbuster trade is even cooler because they, they're not going to get that guy in free agency. It won't happen. So if they're able to pull something off, they can get a star player to help Jai out, help help the Grizzlies out, help them make a run in that Western Conference. That would be really, really neat. I'd really like to see that. So, yeah, that's my third wish. What is your third wish for good old Sports Santa? Good old Sports Santa, I'm going back to Michigan, and I'm hoping the Michigan basketball team can put it together, just basically put it together. I I, I still think we have the talent that I raved about in our preview stuff, and and I still think that that's a good team. But if you've looked recently, we're unranked, and we have a bunch of losses, and while – it's still December. There's still meaningful basketball to be played. Uh, we got to get it figured out because this is quite still arguably the most talented team we've ever had. I mean, I don't think Michigan basketball's ever had two five stars on its roster and they're starting to put that together and play like five stars. Now we just have to put it together as a team and play like a top five team. Like I thought we were, I still have faith that they can run the table, win the big 10. I mean, they're that talented. Hunter Dickinson's a pro. Caleb Houston's a pro. Musa Diabate is a pro. All of those guys are great players. I just think that they got to put it together. I don't know how much I, I haven't, they've been lucky to, to the extent that Michigan fans have been, preoccupied with the the playoff run that they've kind of been able to tune out Michigan basketball and just look look past it but once those once it's over once Michigan football is over we're going to be looking at Michigan basketball it's part of our uh, DNA now and we're we're hoping for better results we had the high expectations for this team so uh, I have no doubt that Juwan Howard can can get it done but if Sports Santa could help me out and maybe uh, push them in the right direction. That would be great. Uh, anything else on your list? Anything else you want to get off your list? I mean, I'd like a Murray State National Championship in basketball. I don't know how feasible that is. For being more realistic, run the table in the OVC, win one last OVC championship, get our 28th Ohio Valley Conference Championship, and then get the hell out of there and get to the Missouri Valley because the OVC is falling apart. I know we're not a mid-major hoops podcast, but good Lord, the OVC is falling apart. Get out with our buddies Belmont and Nashville. Get to the Missouri Valley. Get to a much better conference. And uh, go out in the winning way. Make another tournament. Make some noise. Yeah. And Tennessee, I don't – Tennessee basketball, I don't really have a wish for it. I, I just think they're good. 
I think they're they're going to have a good year. They're not going to win a national championship because they're Tennessee, and that's fine. But it's going to be fun to watch them. Do you do you have any alternate uh, wishes for good old sports then? One thing I had written down that I didn't put down because I'm like I want to be careful what I wish for. Uh, but I did have written down Ryan Ryan Day to take the Chicago Bears job. Just I I just want turmoil in Ohio State. I just would love to see that. Like especially like to happen like in like springtime. Just all of a sudden they're just without a head coach and they're just trying to fill it. My only fear though, like I said last week, that Urban Meyer takes that job uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> so I have a I was talking about this with my friend because I learned this this week. So let's say Ryan Day goes to Chicago. Luke Fickle goes back to Ohio State. Urban Meyer is an alumni of the University of Cincinnati. How insane would that be? Cincinnati coming off a playoff berth, going to the Big 12, and Urban Meyer's right back in a Power 5 job that is, like, on top of the world. I think they'd be viewed higher than Ohio State, if I'm being honest. Like, if Urban Meyer was taking no over Cincinnati at that point, I, I, I'm kind of messing with Ohio State fans at that point, but, like, <laughs> Like, think about it. Like, Cincinnati's coming off a playoff berth. They're going to the Big 12. And then they'd have Urban Meyer. Luke Fickle. I mean, here, he tried at Ohio State. He went 6-6. Six and six. Urban Meyer went 12-0 and 0 with his same players. The very next year, took over and went 12-0. and 0. I, I, Urban's going to have a tough time wherever he goes from now on because it's all out in the air now. Uh, he kind of got away with it in college because he could bump, he could jump from place to place. He had success at all those places. None of those real dirty stories came out. Now they're in the air. They're in the open. It's going to be real tough for anyone to re- to respect him, even college kids. So uh, I, I think that's an interesting situation. I do think Urban's going to coach in college at some point. So if it's at Cincinnati, ooh wee, that would be wild. Uh, all right. I love that stuff. We'll get some graphics out for that as well. Hopefully Sports Santa will fulfill our list and let us know if you have anything on your Sports Santa list that you would like uh, for us to ask him. We'll, we'll get we'll get the word in for the big guy. Uh, we'll move on to this week in sports uh, and kind of on topic there. Santa's coming, but COVID is also coming. There's no doubt about it as college football, the NBA, basically any sport that's going on right now is seeing a flurry of COVID cases with that Omicron variant going around as well. Uh, the Gator Bowl was the biggest headline this week as the, it forced with Texas A&M to drop out. Now Rutgers is taking their place. Is that I'm getting that right, right? Rutgers is taking the Gator is going into the Gator Bowl now all of a sudden after not qualifying for a bowl game uh, and all of everything's up in the air. The college football playoff put out their take on it, saying that uh, teams could be forced to forfeit if they have if they're the reason that they, the the games can't go along. Uh, a lot of stuff going crazy right now with COVID really resurging back into our lives in the sports world, which sucks. But uh, Dylan, what's your reaction to just the the news of COVID coming back. So literally within the past five minutes, I got an Ian Rappaport tweet. I love Ian Rappaport. I love the news he provides, but this one hurt. Cause I've been talking throughout this show. The Titans have a big game tonight against the 49ers. Just announced Titans tackle Kendall Lamb announces that he has tested positive for COVID-19 on Instagram. Taylor Lewan is already out with an injury. Roger Saffold tested positive yesterday. That is three starting offensive linemen out for the Titans tonight against the San Francisco 49ers. In case you didn't know, San Francisco 49ers defensive line is stupid good. I like Ryan Tannehill might just want to be like, 
I tweak my ankle on warm-ups, send Logan Woodside out there. That, that's going to be tough. And this is a must-win game. So that hurts. And very on topic because we're talking about COVID. Um, it also, like, it really seemed like we were getting past COVID. We we're really, like, almost to the point where the pandemic was, like, over. And we're, like, getting back to normal because we've had full stadiums. But all the stuff we got, the vaccines out, like, we've done all the stuff to, like, get past this. But, man, this Omicron variant has just come and hit us in the butt. It's got, like, the NBA is doing its best not to shut down. NFL the same way. Uh, we've seen with the Gator Bowl, like you said, Rutgers, we think, is going to be in it. They said they would accept the invitation. The NCAA has to decide if they're going to let them receive an invitation. It's very weird. I don't know why they wouldn't. Rutgers, that's a really big market for the college football. Get them in the game. And I, Wake Forest is going to wipe the floor with them, but whatever. I mean, that's that's a big deal for Greg Schiano and Rutgers getting into a bowl game. Um, it just seems like we were past this. That's what sucks. It, it seems like deja vu, and I, I'm not a fan of it at all. I hate that it's flaring back up because the worst, like, whatever it was, like three, four months of my life was when COVID started and we had no sports. I will never forget when that Jazz Thunder game got canceled and they're like, they're like whispers. They're like, we think Rudy Gobert has it. Donovan Mitchell might have it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And it, it wasn't the end of the sports world there for a little while. And then obviously we got the bubble, we got some golf stuff. But man, I just, this is, it's all, it almost feels like that, but we're just kind of like trying to ignore it almost, which is kind of scary, which I don't like at all. Like the NBA, like we're, we're going to talk about it when we get to our Christmas day picks, but who knows who's going to be playing on Christmas day. Like before we started, I was like, it's hard to make those picks. Cause like the Nets play the Lakers. Is Kevin Durant going to be playing? Kyrie, we all know the Kyrie situation. Who knows if he's going to be playing? Like it's hard to make these picks because they might be scrolling out Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson's a Boston Celtic. 40-year-old ISO Joe's out there. Like it, it creates kind of it's not a fun situation. I don't want to phrase it like that because it's not, but it is creating these scenarios where we're getting to see guys play that way. We got to see it a while, which is cool, but it's the absolute worst scenario possible because we're back in this uh, COVID crisis, which sucks. Um, it's not fun at all, and I, I absolutely hate it. I, I wish that we were past this, which it really seemed like we were. But we've, we've got to rally. we got to make sure we take the right precautions. And uh, if the Music City Bowl gets uh, canceled for COVID, I might lose my mind. Because I don't think I've ever looked forward to a bad bowl game more in my life. I am so excited for that game. I'm so excited to be in Nashville a week from now. Because I think it's going to be so much fun. I just wish David Bell was playing. David Bell opted out, and that sucks, because that guy's awesome. He would have torched Tennessee, and that's fine, because I would have loved watching it. But that that sucks. I just – I hope some Purdue wide receiver gets to torch Tennessee, because that game gets to be played and gets gets to have all the fun. And the same way I like the college football playoff. I, like, if I'm Harbaugh or Saban or Fickle or Kirby Smart, I am taking all the precautions in the world right now. I don't – I would, like, not want my players to go home for Christmas. I'd be like, you're staying – in Athens or Cincinnati or Ann Arbor or Tuscaloosa. I almost forget the name of Tuscaloosa. You're staying in, in these places for Christmas. Like, we're not risking this. We're winning a national championship. Like, I I don't know. That would, whew, that would be something. I just, if it affects the college football playoff or the NFL playoffs, that would suck. I really don't want to get to that situation. But I will quit rambling about this. Trevor Ariza just entered protocols. I mean, it just, it literally, every five seconds, it just yeah. seems like, 
just keeps going and going and going. It just doesn't stop. Yeah, that's the that is the problem, and that is the the fear of it right now. And like I texted you during the during the week when we talked about this topic. If if I lose a college football playoff semifinal to COVID, I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I, I can't even imagine what the anger and the frustration will be of that because uh, truly we should be past this and we don't need to get into the the politics of the vaccines and stuff, but truly we should be past this. And it's just more and more frustrating that, you know, guys are, you know, that we're getting to this point where a a variant like this is going to be breaking through and we like absolutely have to get the boosters out to everyone because, you know, of all the stuff that has gone on in the, in the COVID world. And now we're, we're crossing over into the sports world again. And that's where we're, I think the rubber is going to start meeting the road again, because there's so much money based off of this stuff. I mean, if you, we already lost a March madness, I cannot imagine the NCAA losing any of the college football playoff games, much less the entire college football playoff, which is apparently part of their protocol. Now Uh, I can't imagine those types of things. And like you said, I, it does feel like they're kind of just ignoring it at this point. They just kind of just uh, covering their eyes and just going along with the games, which is not good enough either, really, because like, like you said, Joe Johnson, that's, that's cool. But at some point we're going to see basically just a bunch of replacement players out there just because everyone's going to have COVID and only the players that haven't been in the NBA are going to be able to play because, and, and that's, if we're getting to that point in meaningful football games, then we're going to have a real, real problem. And then that's where we need to start figuring out something, what we're going to do here, because it doesn't, the the trajectory we're on is we're not going to make it to like the Super Bowl at this, at this rate, there's just no chance. We're not going to make it deep into the NBA season. And the college football playoff is very much in jeopardy right now. Uh, so we need to start doing something. We can't just keep saying, you know, hopefully everyone's going to be, you know, on their game because they're not going to be. I mean, Harbaugh was at the Frank Gore, Darren Williams fight on, on Friday. Uh, that's part of Harbaugh's persona. That's part of why Michigan fans love him. He put our, our season in jeopardy by deciding to go to a fight while COVID's out there. Like we, we can't trust each individual to do this at this point so we need some sort of guidance from you know uh the ncaa the nba whatever it may be to try to get this fixed because i mean it seems inevitable right now that like society is going to go down on lockdown if we we've got to figure out right now what the bubble protocols are going to be what the things we're going to do to to keep these seasons alive because but i at this rate, we're not going to. If we just continue on the path we're on, we're not going to finish our seasons. So uh, that's just like I, I we've got to start figuring it out now. The the guys in the leagues, they've got to figure out like, are we going to do a bubble? Are we going to pause? Are we going to require everyone to go get boosters before we play again? I, something has to be done before we start losing these games all of a sudden. I mean, we're we're getting to the point where games are getting canceled, and that's the worst at, at this point. We can't. We can't go through that again. If we're if we're going to the the sports pause of what 2020 was, I, I like you said, I'll lose my mind. I don't know what's what's going to happen. That's the worst case scenario at this point. So, um, whatever we're going to do, let's figure it out soon. Figure it out sooner rather than later because we're on a bad path right now. 
Um, and that brings us into our NBA Christmas picks because COVID is, is ravaging the NBA. And, the, you know, there was thoughts throughout the week that they might cancel these games. It sounds like they're going to go forward with them regardless of the, the COVID status of these guys. So uh, we're going to try to pick these games for you guys rather than our the college football picks are obviously over. So we were going to do some NBA, NBA Christmas picks. Uh, just a disclaimer, we don't know. This this could all be terrible by tomorrow because there could be like a whole slew of guys out with COVID by tomorrow. So we will try to make our picks as best as possible with the knowledge that we have now. Uh, we'll start with Hawks versus Knicks. You mentioned that the Knicks always play on Christmas Day. Uh, Hawks versus Knicks is a great matchup, but Trey Young is in the COVID protocols right now. So that rivalry is kind of dead at that point, but should be a fun game. Uh, who do you got between the Hawks and the Knicks? Yeah, uh, Trey Young loves putting on a short MSG. It's a shame he won't be there. And I, I'm going to ride the New York momentum wave riding over from Spider-Man coming out last week. Everybody's talking New York, New York, bing bong this, bing bong that. I'm going with the New York Knicks. They get a big W on Christmas Day. And that is the farthest I'm going with my analysis because I have no idea who's going to be playing in that game. Who do you got in Hawks Knicks? Yep, I'm going with the Knicks only because Trey Young's not playing. I would have picked the Hawks if Trey Young was playing, and uh, now that he's not, I'm picking the Knicks because uh, you don't have your best player, and you don't have really the best part of why that rivalry was even selected for NBA Christmas Day. So I'll just take the Knicks. They'll probably get a win there. They're the better team this year. So, uh, But let's hope that they have their team available to them. <laughs> uh, Celtics and Bucks should be an interesting matchup. NBA defending champions against the Boston Celtics uh, with ISO Joe Johnson on the team. Now, who do you like in that matchup? Yeah, I think it's the battle of my two favorite 10 day contracts because the Celtics have uh, ISO Joe and the Bucks breaking news for us, not breaking news for you because you're hitting this tomorrow on Christmas Eve. The Bucks picked up Javin Delorier, 10 day contract from Duke. I don't know. I hope some people remember. I just, I've got quite a few friends that are Duke fans. I just remember watching those Duke teams with Zion. And Javin Delorier would come off the bench and just put on a show. I always loved watching old Javin. So I'm like, this is, this is cool. We get to watch Javin on Christmas Day. Um, I'm going with Iso Joe. I, I, I love Iso Joe. I love seeing him get, get a big bucket yesterday. And I just, again, it's hard to pick these games because literally everything can change in like 20 minutes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Iso Joe in the Celtics. Be a big win for the Celtics. They, it seems like they need that. The Bucks, defending champions. Christmas momentum will matter to them, in my opinion, anyways. Uh, who do you have in that one? I'm going to go with the Bucks. Uh, I know the Bucks got a big win over the Rockets yesterday. Uh, I, I I know the Celtics also won against the Cavaliers yesterday, which both teams got big wins. But uh, when ISO Joe is taking, like, big shots at the end of your game, I, I, I have a feeling you're you're feeling the COVID effects a little bit more than the Bucks are right now. So I'm I'm just going off of that. I'm going with the Bucks and, and hoping that that – yeah, I think they're the better team still, but who knows? You know, who knows who's going to be playing tomorrow? Or yeah, tomorrow when you're listening to this, who knows? Uh, we'll move on. Warriors versus Suns should be an interesting matchup as well. That's like the the two best teams in the Western Conference, and I think probably the least affected by COVID as of right now. I think Steph's still in the game. I think Aiden's still playing. I think probably the best matchup right now. So who you like in Warriors versus Suns? So Golden State is going to want to bounce back win because they're going to lose the Memphis Grizzlies tonight because uh, that's how it works. Ja, when Ja gets to San Francisco, he sees Steph Curry, 
he just plays really, really good. So I got to imagine the Grizzlies are going to big win tonight. There's a lot, there's been a lot of news around Ja. There were uh, Memphis fans saying, sit back down uh, on Monday when he came back from injury. That's got Ja fired up. He got off social media. He, he got him against the guy he plays the best against in Steph Curry. They're going to, Grizzlies going to beat the uh, Warriors tonight, which leads the Warriors, maybe the best team in the NBA this year, getting a bounce back win on Christmas Day against the Phoenix Suns. You like how it worked the Grizzlies in there? The, the wraparound, I talk more about the Grizzlies uh, Warriors tonight than Warriors Suns on Christmas Day. Uh, who you got in that one? Uh, I like the Suns in this one. I think, you know, the Warriors have been the story of the NBA the, so far this season with the way that Steph has played. But I think the Suns are still right now the better, like, overall team. Uh, obviously, once the Warriors get Clay back and they get their, you know, their their lottery picks back and playing uh, at a pretty standard rate, I think they'll be a, just as good as the Suns are, if not better. But I mean, the Suns were in the NBA Finals last year. They have all of those pieces and added JaVale McGee, who has been playing lights out. And if you haven't been watching, JaVale McGee has been playing really, really well for them. So I really like Phoenix this year. So I like them in this game. I think they're going to prove to a lot of people that last year wasn't a fluke. They're still legit. They're still a competitor this year. Uh, and it might open up the Warriors' eyes just a little bit and say, hey, we do need Clay back soon. And hopefully we'll, they'll get him back uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, move on to Nets versus Lakers should be interesting. That's definitely the most up in the air with the COVID stuff though. Uh, James Harden's in the COVID protocol. Kyrie and KD might be out of it by the time, but we've got, we don't know about their tests, if they're going to be positive or negative. Uh, the Lakers with all of their injuries and all of whatever's going on in LA is just wild. So maybe the hardest to pick because you don't know, you literally don't know who's going to be on the floor for the, for these two teams, but Dylan, I'll throw it to you with that. Who you like, Nets versus Lakers? The Los Angeles Lakers because of King LeBron James. I don't think it matters who's going to be going against the Lakers on that day. LeBron's going to be like, you know what? It's a big stage. I'm King James. I'm going to go put on a show. That's what he does. So I, as long as LeBron's playing, I think the Lakers win. That's just how it is. I, I think you could put the 96 Bulls out there and I'd take LeBron. That's just how I am. He's going to be like, he's going to put some sappy – Instagram post up, he's like, the whole world against me. I'm coming out like Chris, uh, like Chris Kringle on Christmas Day. I'm delivering presents to Laker Nation with this dub. Something super cheesy like that. He'll go out and drop like 30. I, I meant to screenshot uh, LeBron's stats from the last 10 games. He has been going crazy. And I feel like just the ultimate crescendo will be that Christmas Day game against the Nets, which the Nets might not have anybody, so he might look really, really good. Um, who do you have in that one? Uh, I'm picking Brooklyn in this one. I'm just banking on the fact I think they'll have KD and they're probably going to get Kyrie for that game. That's going to be their first game with Kyrie, which would be just a pretty cool thing. Uh, pretty interesting. And I think Kyrie and KD together would be just too much for that Lakers roster without Anthony Davis and without all of the other parts of it. LeBron can only do so much. Uh, if If it's KD and Kyrie, I don't think he really has much of a chance to slow both of them down. So I'll I'll take the Nets in that one. But if one of those two are missing or both of those two are missing, then the Lakers have a real, real, real nice chance. Uh, Finally, the last game, the West, real out West game, the Utah Jazz uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. Interesting matchup there. I have no idea about the COVID cases in this one. I did not see any of it. I believe. Well, then that sucks. (laughs) 
I think Luca is part of the COVID protocols. I'm not a thousand percent positive. All right, I'll throw it to you, and I will Google it while you were looking while you were making your pick. So this is a thousand percent the game I'm going to put on at the end of the day, where I'm going to go to sleep at like the third quarter. So this game's going to go on until like midnight. I I think the Jazz will win. I again, I'm not a thousand percent positive. I think the Jazz haven't been super affected by COVID. So I the Jazz are very good at basketball. They just win games. Whereas the Mavericks, they kind of rely on Luca. And if Luca is out, which Dylan's nodding his head, so I. He is in protocol. Luca doesn't play. The Jazz are winning that game. That, that's just how it is. It's in Utah. I, yeah, Jazz. Yeah, I'm going to take the Jazz. I had Mavs written down. I didn't realize that Luca was in COVID protocol, so I'll take the Jazz. I mean, they were the best team in the Western Conference last year, and they don't have to deal with Luca Doncic now. This this sucks. I hate COVID. I really hope that at some point we can get this figured out because this is the really, really, really frustrating to, like, try to break down these games without knowing who is even going to be on the floor. Uh, And that's going to be so frustrating if we end up playing a college football playoff game like that, where I'm going, who the heck is playing safety right now? I've never seen this guy in my life. I can't even imagine that football is not like that, where you can just pick up replacement players and they're just going to fill in. We have, I have a very set rotation that I know for Michigan. If anyone's out of place, I'm going to notice and I'm going to be very upset. So we really definitely need to get this figured out before the college football playoff uh, gets started because this is getting very, very frustrating. But that will do it for us on this special Christmas Eve edition of the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Um, I'm very excited for tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Titans and 49ers. Um, I'm a little bit more nervous now with Kendall Lamb being put in protocols. Uh, at least the Titans have three of the top five offensive linemen, which kind of scared, but the offensive line hasn't been good anyways. So I, I maybe these guys will step up in the absence of the starters. I don't know. Julio and A.J. Brown are back, though. That's big. If As long as Tannehill can stay alive and hold the ball for like three seconds and get it to A.J. and Julio, I think the Titans have a fighting chance, especially if the defense can play good. The, the 49ers offense isn't like something spectacular, which I like – I've got to cover the 49ers a couple of times. I think that team has severely slept on. I think that team's really good. And if they make the playoffs, I don't think anyone wants to see the 49ers because we've seen what they can do. They can feed off their defense and just somehow win games. That's what they do. So I, I, if the Titans can get past them tonight, I'm going to feel really good about the last two weeks. If they can't, I'm going to start getting really nervous about the Titans' uh, future this season. But uh, good vibes over going into it. Coming out of it, maybe not so much. Yeah, excited for NBA Christmas. Excited for Christmas in general. It's, it's a it's a fun, fun time. Uh, yeah, fun show. Merry Christmas to all. Uh, and Sports Santa will be seeing you soon. Yeah, Merry Christmas to all. I'm adding one more thing to my Christmas list right now, and that's like 200 hyperbolic chambers for Michigan players to just sit in until the college football playoff begins. Because I don't want I I just want them to just be in one spot. And then they go play the game because that's all <laughs> I cannot deal with any of these guys be sitting out. Uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan show. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV sports mag.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening and have a good one, everyone.